I am Amy Lequier, and we are going to be talking about the cost of communication and how that relates to team retention. I know there were a few other people that were joining tonight, so we'll wait here a few minutes just to see if they come on. I'm happy to be with you today and continue in our series. We are on the fifth series, and I want to thank Equa Marketing for sponsoring this series. They are the leaders in digital marketing, so I appreciate their sponsorship. I also wanted to let you know that next month I will be on, um, instead of the fourth Thursday, or the third Thursday, I will be on the fourth Thursday because I will be um, in Dentistry's Got Talent. It is a, a um, down in Florida, I will be with 50 other people competing in a speaking event. So join me there as well in October. But we are continuing on with our series, and today, like I mentioned, we're going to talk about team retention. Now, when I think about team retention, a lot comes to mind. So we're going to move forward with the objectives for today, and that's to discuss why employees leave. Also, discover solutions to reduce a negative impact on when an employee leaves because if we're talking about a dental office and you could be talking about any any profession or any office when we're talking about a dental office the not only is the team impacted but the patients are impacted when they see new faces and we're going to also talk about self-assessment of your leadership style and so so why should we care what's what's the purpose of that so to start it off, why do employees leave now there's a few things that we can't change so if a if a employee leaves because they're moving or they're changing careers. That's just the way it goes. Sometimes the change in life circumstance, for example, having a baby, um, caring for an elderly parent. Hey, you know what? What about if you won the lottery? Yeah. <laughs> won the lottery, not coming back. Those are changing life circumstances. Also, they may leave for things that they maybe can't or can't control depending upon what's going on. So for example, they feel like they don't fit in or they're not aligned with the practice philosophy. They don't like changes. So I worked with an office one time where I was working as their consultant and the doctor believed in fluoride and he had a hygienist who didn't believe in fluoride and he had wanted her to promote fluoride and she wasn't promoting fluoride. So that's where practice philosophy it comes to a misalignment and miscommunication and it can cause some tension in the practice. So that's something why people leave or maybe why they would be terminated for a position as well if the practice um, philosophies don't line up. And also people don't like changes sometimes. So when there's a lot of changes going on, that may be a factor. Patterns of behavior, um, meaning if you're a lifelong job seeker. There's people out there, if you look at their resume, they're every six months, year, they're finding that new job. So some people, it's what they do. They are job seekers and they're trying to find that true purpose and haven't found it yet. So that's why employment leave is that they are just finding that they, they need to, to go to that next level, whatever that is for them. Um, I hear this a lot and I see this a lot in those Facebook groups. If any of you are part of a Facebook group, they talk about they don't feel valued, they're underpaid, haven't had a raise in 10 years. This is very common. And what I found, you know, as you guys know and, and have listened to my series over the past five months is, you know, I've practicing hygienists and over the past six years I've been a consultant and 
I've seen both sides. I've seen, I've been on the side of the employee and the side of the consultant working with the employees and employers. And they're considering a pay increase that can be um, conflict in the mind of the employer. So they don't feel valued, they feel underpaid. And, and a lot of times the doctor doesn't know how to have that conversation with them. And they're looking at numbers in a different way than the employees are. So that can be a big tension there. Job is either hard or not challenging enough. Um, you know, if a person's coming on and they're a new employee and they're not given any direction, then that could feel like it's too hard or they don't have any systems in place they feel lost. Or it could be something that they didn't know they were getting into. Or it might not be challenging enough. They, they thought that it was going to be more challenging than it is. So they want something different and something more. Another reason is they're just not feeling fulfilled. There's no purpose. They're going through the motions. Now, again, this may have to do with the job or the, the culture and the environment of the position itself, or it might have more to do with their personal life. I know I've gone through this in my own personal journey of, you know, what am I doing here? Why, what is my purpose in this? And, you know, we can kind of get caught up in that too. And, and just remembering that where you are in that moment, you have a purpose, even if you don't feel it in the moment, you are there to serve your patients and your patients are there to, you know, really help you along the way and help you see why you're there. And I'm talking about if you're working in op, if you're outside the op, there's other, there's other concerns or other things. We do want to practice being grateful because that does really help the mindset in that positive attitude. Um, also, employees may leave because they don't understand what's expected of them. They were never given an opportunity to um, be trained properly. And we all know this dental office. And, and again, I can speak to this because I've experienced it myself and I've experienced it with my um, the offices that I've worked with is the training program is more or less, hey, you're, you're, you're an assistant, you're a hygienist, go for it. Here you go. Um, this is what time you start. This is what time you you end, here's your room, go, go at it. And, you know, some people are okay with that. They can wing it to a certain level and others really need to be prepared to have that might not be for them if they don't know what's expected of them. Also might feel micromanaged. Um, you know, perspective is people's reality. So when you have a perspective of feeling micromanaged, whether that's true or not, if that's how you feel, that's what you're um, going to portray out, you know. So if, if a manager is trying to give you a direction and it's coming across as micromanaging, they might not be intentionally doing that. So that's why this is called cost of communication, because all of these things cost us. And when we have team retention, when patients um, see that the team is there and they're enjoying their job and, and our team stays, that is a beautiful thing. When there's possibly a revolving door, it can be very stressful on everybody and it costs money, it costs emotional um, baggage, it costs mental health, physical health. And to have that feeling of being micromanaged, it, it can feel very stressful and like you're not good enough. Um, another op way that, that employees leave is they get an offer at a competitor. Maybe it's a great opportunity. Maybe you're a small dental, private dental practice and you don't offer insurance, which is common. 
and they are going to a corporate that offers that. I mean, if that, that person's stage in life, that might be what they need and that might be okay. However, we have to remember as the employee that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. There are reasons why, um, why corporate can offer insurance and there's reasons why um, smaller offices cannot certain expenses that are just not realistic for certain offices. However, there's pros and cons to both. And so whatever season you're in in your life, whatever you need for your family, that's what you need to think about. But just remember that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And then another reason why employees leave is they get laid off or let go by the employer. So all of the one through 10 have to do with the employee and 11 is the employer is saying, you know, well, this isn't the right fit. And I've worked with offices that, you know, this is something that maybe they should have realized sooner. So an employee stayed on when it wasn't the right fit. And to be honest with you, it, when we are in a position where we stay too long, it really um, is not an advantage just to say, okay, well, I don't want to find another person because it's stressful trying to find an employee. Well, having a warm body here, even though they're not going to be fit, better than nothing. Well, not necessarily. That can be um, detrimental to the entire team because it become, become a toxic environment. So what is that question behind the question. What is the why? Why is that person wanting to leave in the first place? What is going on in their head that's saying, okay, you know, what is, what is going on here that I just can't stand be here anymore? I read a white paper um, back about these are some of the stats that I learned while I was going through that research. And it was the cost of losing an employee, depending upon which study you read, but the cost of losing an employee ranges from anywhere from $15,000 to over $100,000. Now, this was all businesses. This didn't have to do with just dental specific. It was all businesses. But if you think about it, that is a lot of money when we are talking about training, when we're talking about, you know, let's say, for instance, you have hygienists whose pay $65,000 per year. The cost to replace him or her, 33%. So if we're going at that second bullet point here, to use the data from the employee benefit news report, 33% of employees annually, annual salary is the estimated cost. So $65,000 paid hygienist, 33%, um, that is $21,450. I'm looking down because I did the math to make sure I had it right. Because <laughs> I'm just doing it in my head not so, not so fast. So that cost adds up with the employee changes each year. So that is a, a, is a pretty significant cost when you are trying to make ends meet and you're trying to reduce your overhead. And in 2017, the Work Institute Retention Report concluded that 74% of the respondents reported the turnover could have been prevented. So to me, that is where the cost of communication really comes in. Now, in our previous episodes, the uh, first one, we talked about the cost of communication as relates to your vision. So if your team doesn't know where you're going, they don't know where you're headed, they're not sure how to follow you, okay? So they need some guidance and a compass to know where they're going. And then we talked about um, unrealistic expectations. We talked about how, um, 
having a um, particular feedback and having performance evaluation, knowing where we stand in the office is, is really an important thing. We also talked about the hygiene department and the influencing nature of the hygiene department in and of itself. I mean, as employees are coming in, they're building relationships with other employees and more so, hello there, and more so with the, um, with the, the patients. And so what we want to make sure is that we are understanding what that cost of losing an employee is. So what are some solutions? Well, as I mentioned in my first episode, creating that vision. So your team knows what, where you're headed. What are they in for? Do they align with your practice philosophy? Do they know what growth you're looking for? Are they on board? Because, you know, up until I was probably 12 years working as a hygienist, I didn't know what I, what value I brought to the office as far as monetary value in building the practice. I knew I was there as a relationship type person and I was doing my job, but as, as how I contribute to the bottom line to grow that business, I didn't really know until I was told, here's what you produce, how many floors you do, and really have that big picture. If you're not used to hearing numbers and things like that, it can be it can be a little bit um, over one. It, it can be a little off-putting because people think, okay, well, all they care about is the production and the numbers. Well, how do we grow unless we understand the bigger picture? So I don't need to know every single number that the doctor needs to worry about, but from a hygiene standpoint, from an assistant, from a front office, I feel value in understanding how I contribute and as a team, how we're going to go together because ultimately it benefits the whole team. So knowing the vision, knowing the growth, knowing the practice philosophy, that's one way. And then having a documented hiring and training process in place. And I've talked about this in my previous episodes as well, is that want to retain it, they need to be less successful in their position. So we want them to have success. And you know, dental offices are notorious for not having training programs. It's just, it's just, just known, right? And we go in, we, we start the, the, um, the day as a new employee. And if you say you're an assistant or hygienist, you're just say, okay, here, before, as I mentioned earlier. And so having those specific training pro place really helps with the solution of the team retention. And then when employees leave, don't panic and hire the first person that comes. This has happened a lot. There's been people that I know that this has happened to because they feel like, oh my gosh, they're gone. I got to hire someone really quick. And that's where that turnover comes into place because we are just hiring the first person that comes through and that might not be the best fit for your practice. Uh, I would also suggest, you know, when possible, have your team interview the, the um, potential candidate as well. So that you get a feel for the in the entire practice, especially if they're going to be patient facing. I mean, if it's someone who's going to be, you have an office that's big enough, or you have an insurance coordinator that is in an office by themselves all day long. I mean, we need to know that the person is an introverted person, and that position is going to fit for them. And you know, some who, person is an extrovert, that's not going to necessarily be the best fit of putting them in a room by themselves. You know 
Or if you have three extroverts at the front desk together and we're trying to get work done, sometimes that's not the best fit. So understanding the team, who you want to get into your um, practice to help with your growth and understanding those things. And you can learn different um, personality, um, science, you know, MBTI, the DISC, do those types of things to help you with that. Um, and then another solution is intentional communication and ongoing feedback. I'm a big proponent on understanding what response I want to have before I say it. And you can't always do that, but having intentional communication. What I mean by that is, is you know, that word silent, if you switch the words around, also means listen. So sometimes we need to listen, sometimes we need to be silent, and sometimes we need to speak. So understanding that when we communicate with people to have intention and purpose behind it so we get a specific result is really going to be long-lasting and relationship building. And then ongoing feedback so that we know where we stand in practice. So it shouldn't be one performance evaluation or once every two years or when the doctor feels like it or when the office manager feels like it or when an employee asks for it. There should be a process protocol in place. In some offices, it's, you know, an open door policy. If my door is open, you're allowed to come in. Um, it's a busy dental office. So, you know, there should be specific times. You're not down the hallway and saying, oh, hey, I need to talk to you. And that's never, never really a good choice unless it's emergency and it has something um, that just, you know, syncopate or something, you know, <laughs> then you want to, you grab me. But if it's a communication thing or trying to get feedback, unless it's urgent, um, you know, a needle stick just happened, one of those um, safety OSHA um, things, then we want to, we want to do it at a time that, that is realistic for the entire team. Maybe it's setting aside a time of 15 minutes. Maybe it's a phone call later, depending upon what it is. But having that ongoing feedback and having maturity, understanding that this is not a blame game. It's not something that we're trying to um, micromanage. It's so we can grow the exposure as well. So we have those blind spots that we aren't necessarily aware of. So if we can help each other, then that's going to benefit the whole team. And then staying current with advanced technology, professional skills, and clinical advancement. Um, as I mentioned in the earlier slide, you know, pay, employees leave because they don't feel purpose. They also get bored. They don't feel challenged enough. So allowing if a hygienist, if you can do laser, for instance, or sleep, um, a lot of um, sleep studies going on now and informed and in how that the airway interacts with sleeping and ADHD and all of those new things, if, well, they're not new things, but things new to the dental profession, you know, it's great door, you know, that here I'll help you with paying for that class or help us to see what, how that would benefit us as a team. Being able to, to have those technologies and advancements and honing in on those professional skills really helps you and helps the patients understand that you are up and coming. And if you want to make profit, you don't want to be the um, dentist on the street. We want to feel like, depends on what your vision is, maybe that is your vision and you want to be, be that one. Or if you want to grow and you want to have more of a, um, what's the word I'm, I'm thinking of, like concierge type of boutique practice, then you want to make sure that, that those match. So your vision and what you're doing match.
and then your team will come along and buy into that, or they won't, they'll leave. So one way to assess um, how we're doing is what I call gap analysis. Well, no, I don't just call it that. I mean, that's what it's called in the business setting. But here's, the, here's an example of a self-assessment or um, what's called a gap analysis. So here's five questions that on a scale of one to eight or one to 10, I can only say eight on this slide. So on a scale of one to 10, one to eight, whatever that looks like, one to five, how comfortable are you with change? So you would, as a leader, if you're the doctor, you would answer these questions. And you would have your team answer the questions and about you. So you're uncomfortable with change and you say a four. And then the team would say, doctor is comfortable with change and they'd say a one. Well, if you think you're a four and they think you're a one, then there's a gap of three. So then we reevaluate. Nobody puts their names on it or anything. You just know that, okay, let's be mature adults here and try to have this conversation of what that looks like. And so when you do a self-assessment and you compare it to your team, then you can say what's going on. Now, what I found over the years of doing this, because I do this when I go in as a consultant, I do this to assess oneself um, to be able to help consult better. Like, what is the team's perspective of what the doctor or office manager or multiple doctors are? And so if there's three doctors in the practice, the team does one for each, each doctor. Even if they're not the own doctor, if they're an associate or part-time, it's still important because the doctors, by default, become aware in the practice. So we have this analysis, and then we compare it and we say, okay, you know, how can we help each other? What are we doing Give examples, and sometimes it might be resources. Sometimes it might be a training. It might be reaching out to a colleague and saying, hey, you know what, I'm struggling in this area. So self-awareness is how we grow. If we're not sure and we don't, we're not aware, we don't have the choice to change. So being able to, to have that choice to change because we become aware of it is a positive thing. It doesn't mean we're weak, it's not negative or a failure. It's, it's identifying how we can grow and then, and then taking action on that. All right, so what's next? So then after that, we have questions to ask potential employees. So on LinkedIn recently, there was a couple of different people that were saying, you know, what questions do you hate when you're at the, um, when you're at the um, interview? And people were putting differences in there. And they hate, oh, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Stuff like that. Well, here's something that you could ask as an employee to the doctor, or if you're the doctor or the office manager, whoever's doing the hiring, could ask a potential employee. So it could go both ways. So asking what does success mean to you? Now what what does that mean? And I ask this question as a consultant, I'll say to the doctor, I'm like, okay, so I ask them what their barriers are, I ask them their three goals, and I, I narrow it down to to three, no more than that, just three goals. And they sometimes have one, usually they have three or more. But I always ask them what does success mean to you? because it's important for me to have that perspective of what they think. Just like if you are in a dental office and you do a smile assessment and the patient, you give them a smile assessment, you said, no, would you like white or teeth? Say no. Well, are you going to spend 30 minutes talking about whitening with someone who doesn't care about whitening their teeth? I hope not because it's a waste of time, right? They already self-identified. They don't care if they're teeth white. As you get going with them, 
they could change their mind, of course. We're talking about veneers and things like that. But essentially, that's not where you're going to start because that's not how they identify themselves. So not understanding what success means to that particular person. And then what does um, successful communication look or sound like? And then when you ask people this question, and you could even ask, ask a, um, your mom or dad, or you could ask a, um, your best friend, you know, ask these questions, see what they say, because it's very interesting. Human behavior to me is, is just very interesting and in what people think, because sometimes they respond in how they want you to think. Like, what does this person, what are they, what's their angle? What are they trying to get at? And they try to respond in a way of what they think you want to hear. So honesty is always the best. If you don't have the answer, say, you know, what? I'm not really sure. I haven't thought about that before. Um, let me come back to you. But what does successful communication look or sound like? Um, what does successful implementation of a system look and feel like? So we talk a lot about meetings. We talk a lot about, um, you know, and again, this subject's on team retention, so a big encompassing um, topic of what we're going to do. And it's building a foundation. So if we build this foundation, we're, we are in an interview with someone, and we're asking these questions, we're already setting the bar really high. Like this person's saying, wow, I've never been asked these questions before. And they know this is going to be right for me, or maybe this is the right fit for me. And then how do you or we know when we've reached success? So what does success look like? And I ask my clients this all the time. You know, how do you know when you've reached it? You know, my son is 20 years old and he's, he's at this level of just, you know, um, being a realtor and he just wants success, success, success. And I'm like, okay, what, what does that look like? You know, how do you know you've reached it? And he doesn't really have an answer. I mean, he's just like, you know, sell more houses, sell more houses. <laughs> but, you know, at 20 years old, I, that's awesome. And I wish we could all be as motivated as him. But it's one of those things where if we haven't really thought about it, it's our initial answer might not be exactly what we want. So we might want to ponder a little bit and think, okay, you know, how else can we, could we um, define success? And maybe it's a team meeting. We talk about it and we say, okay, hey, here's what success looks like. So my challenge, let's see here. There you go. My challenge is for people to go and ask, you know, what is our training process? So if you're if you're a doctor, you know, ask your team, you know, what's our training process? If you're a team member asking each other, you know, what happens when someone comes in? Are we are we really um, embracing a new employee? Some people, I mean a new employee hasn't been there in 15 years. But what happens or what if a temp comes in? You know, what if someone goes on vacation and a temp comes in? What's that embrace of that temp? Do they know what there is, is, um, is expected of them when they come in? So what is our training process? If you don't have one, start with three things. The one is the, the one week, 30, 60, 90 day feedback form, which for new employees, I always suggest after one week, to check in 30 days, 60 days, and 90 days. And then that's sort of the initial setting the standard. You know, what do you need from me? How can I help you be more successful? Here's some feedback I found. Here's some feedback from the team. And depending upon what that is, and having a specific training protocol, like here's what's expected of you in the first week, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. So they have a checklist. 
and then provide a new employee with a checklist, which I was talking about, of what they're expected to do and learn so that they know when they've reached success. I know when I get through this checklist, if I know it, whoops, hold on, then I know that I have um, reached it. And then the other one is assign an employee who is the trainer and then taking the self-assessment and comparing it to the team. So whatever self-assessment that is, I can always send one. You can always email me um, and I can, I can send you the ones I have or you can Google it, you know, self-assessment. You can go um, create your own and that's fine too. But having some sort of questions, and you can Google gap analysis and, you know, see what, see what you come up with as well. But team retention is a subject that is, um, it's really hard to narrow it down to one thing. So as I mentioned earlier, there's some solutions that I mentioned, having a vision, making sure that you're communicating with your team, giving feedback, um, growing your technology, your professional growth, and then being that office that people talk about and saying, wow, if there's ever an opening there, then that's where I want to work. Um, I work with a client in Florida, and I was with them a couple weeks ago training, doing a day training, and they said that, you know, they're the office, and it's a small office, one doctor office. They just had to, uh, an assistant hire because the positions changed in the practice. Somebody retired and to front and then they so they had an assistant working. so in the community apparently there was people who were talking about what a great office it was and you know they would be lucky to have that position there so being known in the community for that type of practice is is key and team retention it can be a struggle again don't tire the first person that that walks through the door and give your team a place where they would want to work. You know, what does it feel like here? What does it look like? Do an assessment of the practice. If I was my, if I was working for me, if you're the doctor, if I was working for me, would I want to work here? Ask yourself that. It's a hard question. And then team members, ask yourself, why am I here? What's my purpose? What, what am I trying to fulfill? You know, what greater purpose do I have here? And really, helping each other in, in being a team player. And again, if you haven't um, watched my other series, I talk about being a team player, talk about unrealistic expectations, all of these things that are wrapped into this, this team building and team retention um, topic. So next month, like I mentioned, it's going to be October um, 25th. It's going to be still a Thursday, but it's the fourth Thursday of the month because I am um, as I mentioned, going to be doing a um, speaking event where I am in Ministry's Got Talent going against 50 other people and, and trying to win a prize. So that will be exciting in Florida. And so next time we'll continue the series of cost of communication. And I also want to thank Equity Marketing for the sponsorship. Thank you for joining me, Naomi and Jamie was on earlier. And I appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to, to spend it here with me. My email is amyatbridgegapcs.com. My website, my phone number is right here on the screen, 802-922-8486. And www.bridgethegapconsultingservices.com. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, LinkedIn, not so much on Instagram, don't do too much on there, <laughs> but um, also my uh, Facebook page, personal page, and my business page. Mm -hmm.